You're listening to The Photography Show. This is episode number 13 for November 28th, 2010, Finding Your Niche. Uh, do not pass go is what they say in Monopoly. Or is it do not pass Park Avenue? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't have any idea. What, no, there's a saying. It's don't pass go. No, do not, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. That's right. Well, I, um, I, didn't, I didn't either today. So I collected still, no money and I'm I didn't still lost. <laughs> as soon as I hit the record button, it's like time to get weird, you know? <laughs> so, um, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. How was yours? Fantastic. Um, it's like here, stomach, have some more carbs. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I hope I didn't. I didn't eat. I didn't eat as much as some years in the past. So you know, I'm going to say this because uh, you know it's our show, and I can. It has nothing to do with photography. But I did see. Here's a little MythBusters for you. Mm-hmm. I was watching TV the other night, and uh, the little History Channel Thanksgiving special action, and they they basically said, you know. That there's actually less tryptophan in turkey than there is in chicken. Really? Yeah, that's so not this whole time that we've been getting sleepy. It's just kind of mental. Exactly. It's it's actually the carbohydrates and the wine, if any, you're drinking yeah. that do it. Right. And, you're just eating so much and drinking, and then sitting around watching football or whatever, and you just get tired. That's it. Fell asleep. Just, we've been blaming turkey for years, for centuries. Yes. Since the first pilgrims fell asleep in front of the simulated football game. Well, there it is, fans. Uh, you know, that's how football came to be. How's that? Well, they, they, they you know, in, in England, the ball's round, right, when they, right. when they call football. And you can't use your hands. It's what we have known as soccer. Well, they didn't, ha- they didn't bring a ball with them, so they were using the turkey carcass because you know, it's kind of an <laughs> oblong shape. Oh, yeah. It does kind of look like that. <laughs> and they said, we've got to use our hands. This is ridiculous. Pass the turkey and then tackle each other. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of listeners in England that are probably rolling their eyes right now and thinking, he thinks he's funny, but... These Americans are stupid. <laughs> anyway, okay, so um, let's get to it. today's topic, Wade. Yeah, did you know uh, there's, had... there's no I in team? Yes, and I've never understood that either. No, I know, but, uh... anyway. <laughs> but it has to do at least what we're going to talk about today. No, yeah, to- yeah, totally. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, working for yourself versus working for someone else, Indeed. and all the different ways that, as a photographer. Um, either professionally or non-professionally, you can um, work for someone else or, or work for yourself or do it on the side as a freelance thing or do it on the side as a hobby or do it professionally full-time. Well, and I'm going to go ahead and interject that being a lazy American, I, I have done both, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you have a, a cool perspective because um, you did a freelance thing uh, full-time and then went – and and took a job with the with, with the museum afterwards, Correct. and then I come from the opposite uh, perspective of having worked um, at a graphic design studio and for a corporation for ten years, and then started my own business afterwards. And um, these things can kind of fluctuate and go back and forth. And um, yeah, they do. I actually started working for for a company back in the tech boom in the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a bunch of things to it. Yeah, I started doing that, and then, you know, I, th- I think for me, like, jobs just tend to take their course, you know? Right, And, right. Uh, you know, when you feel it's time to switch, then it's time to switch. Yeah, yeah, no matter what that is, whether you're yeah. working from home or somewhere else and you want to do the opposite or whatever. Um, well, I'll give you an just, example. Just and do, a, do a quick little uh, – 
take us through real quick the little timeline of Ted's the, the timeline of Ted. Well, I, when upon graduating from college, um, I actually uh, this was back in the mid '90s, and I took a job with a company during the big tech boom there. Uh, creating CD-ROM software. It was a, you know, kind of a quintessential right out of school job. And I moved up in that company. And the problem was like, and I think this relates to, you know, what the economy is doing now too, that, uh, you know, when I guess in, was it 2001 in April, the big black Friday, when the stock market all crashed, I actually left before then, but you could kind of see the writing was on the wall. And I kind of realized, well, I've always wanted to go work for myself and freelance and see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to ever do it if I don't just make the leap at some point. So I did, uh, I didn't totally leap blind. I saved my money for a long time and I had a little nest egg in the bank. Right. And then decided it was time to go out on my own. And so I did that and uh, probably the worst economic climate. I mean, it was, it was insane and I was extremely foolish to have done it, but, um, but I survived. And uh, seven years later, Oh, I got a little burnout about the business end of keeping up with bookkeeping and billing right. clients and people who don't pay you. And then you got to call them and wring their necks and, you know, all that stuff. And, and <laughs> it just kind of came up. I, I had a friend who knew about the museum job opening and uh, she had sent me the email and I actually misread it. I thought it was for a junior level or I thought it was for a senior level position. And I thought, oh, this would be so awesome. And I thought, well, you know, worst comes to worst, let's go ahead and work the resume out. I haven't done one in seven years, and we'll see what happens. So I worked the resume out. I was getting ready to submit it online. And then I reread the job description and realized that it was for, like, you know, basically an intern-level position. Right. And uh, anyway, so I, I thought, well, let's just practice. I'll send it in, and we'll go through the drill. I don't even know why I did. That's kind of uncharacteristic of me. But anyway, um, I got a call back, and they basically said, well, you're extremely overqualified. And I said, well, why don't we just, you know, do the interview anyway? And that way, maybe if you guys ever needed somebody freelancing, and we've met each other. And she was like, oh, okay. And so I went in, and they were very impressed, and they actually dissolved another position that they were trying to fill, combine the two, and uh, it all worked out. So. And, Which, and, and and tell them real quick when you were on your own, uh, mainly what you did professionally all the time, and then and then also how photography tied into that. If well, any. lots of, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did lots of different things professionally. Right. I mean, primarily I left, and this was after the tech boom, and I'd gone into doing web design, mm-hmm. and specifically I'd gone. I mean, I skipped over a huge mass of information there, but I'd gone back to school, uh, not for a second degree, but to study design. And uh, I worked doing print design, doing web design, uh, and I did some photography just as I became more into it. I didn't ever really do a whole lot, um, mainly because for me, it, it definitely up to that point, photography had always been a hobby, and I right. kind of wanted to keep it that way. Like, I didn't ever want to hate it because, mm-hmm. um, like, that happens when you're freelancing and uh, you just get kind of burnt out. Right. And so I, I, I did never really do it. And so that's kind of why I've always gone more the, the gallery show fine art approach, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, just doing it for myself. But, uh, you know, different people are different about that. And I, I mean, I've thought twice about it a few times, but, um, you know, I kind of have no problem. I mean, I end up doing a lot of photography, so it's just, just because you're not getting a paycheck from it doesn't really, you know, mean much. Right. I no, you've think. kept it, you've kept it more as a hobby by choice. Uh, and, and you've mainly uh, taken your expertise into web design and the digital, ev- digital side of, of computer everything. Yeah. I mean, uh, my job description now is multimedia producer, so right. it encompasses uh, video production, encompasses uh, some HTML coding, AJAX, stuff like that, and then also mm-hmm. uh, it, in photography as well. So uh, I like it because I never know what I'm going to be doing on any given one day. Um, right. I don't recommend it for everybody because it's a lot of switching gears. Like one project you're doing, like sitting at the computer all the time, and then two days later you're doing a two-day-long photo shoot that's produced. And, and it, it's cool, though, for me because it keeps me from getting bored. It's like a big pendulum that kind of swings and... 
it kind of keeps it fresh for me. Right, and you're kind of self-taught in all these things because you majored in music in college and then went straight into uh, technology stuff as soon as you graduated. So that was a huge – then then self-taught yourself everything about about the web and and design and And graphic design. that really wasn't a big choice. Now, I I do have formal design education because I did go back and study that. Um, But specifically when I went back, I did not want to take any computer classes. And the main reason was is because, I mean – and you know you're you're kind of the same way, but we kind of came out of school at a weird time when like technology was taking off, you know. Yeah, right as as it literally was taking off. Yeah, I yeah. started college in '90, and so by the mid '90s, I mean you know when I was in school, I took computer science classes, but they were all like you know here's how to make a spreadsheet, and mm-hmm. you know if anything, I think they taught you how to go find this information on your own. And but yeah, there was no web design degree. And now I teach community college, and I teach a web design class, and and. Uh, I mean, these kids have that now. I mean, we did. Yeah, well, yeah, they have skills coming in, like to where as we may have never really touched a Mac until college, or I right. didn't. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> I was afraid of the Macs for the longest time. Uh, you know, it, at UNT, boy, this is this is gonna like you know open up to weird discussion. But at UNT, I remember specifically, like my senior year, like. We got email. Well, they had email at the school, and I remember a friend of mine says, let's go to the student union, they're free. And I'm like, who would ever send me an email? And so I like kind of went down, and yeah, whatever. <laughs> Actually, I don't even think I got one at that point, and that was my reason why is I didn't think I'd ever get an email. Now it's like I'd give anything to never Couldn't email. survive without it, right. <laughs> well, there but was now, no spam photography, Okay, now, now you're working somewhere, and you, and you like where you work. Uh, you're very happy there, and it's, it's the, the cool thing about where you work now is that it's uh, – it, it, you have a lot of stability well, there. You yeah, have, before you, you go nice into that, salary. too, yeah. just one more thing about the uh, the college experience, too. Oh, you know, I was I remember writing my you know thesis paper for graduation, like you know, at Joe's Copies, feeding nickels into an electronic typewriter all night, and it was, it's so weird because like that was a weird breaking point for me. And I think this goes for anything. It's like. I mean, I've twisted this phrase up, but, you know, if you give a man a fish, he'll stink for a day. If you teach a man a fish, he'll stink for life, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, seriously, it's like if you can kind of learn how to teach yourself things, I think that's really an important deal. Right. And I think the, the reason I say this relates to because I think a lot of photographers, whether you're going to go work for somebody else or whether you're going to go into business for yourself, most photographers don't have any kind of business training. In fact, most artists in general don't. And yeah, me. If you look that up yeah, in the dictionary, there's an example of me. What is that? It, that's me. No, no. business training. It's <laughs> my picture, message. and it just says no business training underneath <laughs> well, it. Well, I, I don't either, and 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 that was, you know, I think of all the things that I do. I mean, multimedia production aside, I mean, it's like, you know, the business training. The seven years I freelance, just throwing myself into the front. That was hard, man. Yeah. And you make mistakes, and they cost you money, and they're embarrassing. And but it's, it's okay because you have to. Yeah, you do. And, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you live and learn one way or the other. You either learn it and do it all right the first time, but most of the time you're going to take risks and make mistakes well, and learn from it and never do it again. It, and then that was I have to. And, and like I really felt at that time I had to. It was like <laughs> I really wanted it that bad. I wanted to do it. So it was like, okay, yeah, so I didn't get paid on that job, and it was my fault, and here's why. And, okay, fine. Let's learn it and keep going. I didn't allow it to you know. And if you ever me. go back now and, and do the freelance thing again, which is a very good possibility in your lifetime, the kind of person you oh, are, sure. uh, whether it's uh, design or, or web design or graphic design or photography or whatever it is or a combination of all these things and music right. or whatever, you're going to do things differently um, than you did them the first time, and oh, that's that yeah. was that's was, that's the great thing about making mistakes is that you usually don't make them twice unless you're an idiot. 
Well, you have to do them. And, you know, another another reason you need to stay agile and be open to learning. I mean, you know, this whole notion of formal training. I think people should get a college degree. Totally. But, you know, at the same time, it's like I came out, and, and you did too, it's such a, this weird time where you're at this crossroads of media and technology and everything else. I That is – it's impacted everything. It's like, you know, there was no social media when I started. No. But marketing was hard and it was expensive. Um, and now it's like – you're pretty much just handed the keys for free. In a lot of yeah, ways. and so many people won't don't don't utilize that. Well, and I didn't at it's, first it, because I felt like, oh, this isn't the way it's supposed to be done. This is not traditional business. So when I'm serious about my business, I'm not going to like waste time on mm-hmm. on the internet. Now, at that time, there wasn't Facebook and there wasn't Twitter and there weren't you know podcasts even podcasts. I guess the term kind of came to fruition around '94. So, but. Um, you know, I didn't really get into it. People didn't even later. start doing them or listening to them for some time. And are, are they slowly, you know, risen since then? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a commonality now, but, but back then it wasn't. And, and I mean, you know, that's, that's such a, it's, it's such a difference in when I started out and it, it's weird because when things are changing like that, I think one thing I would do differently is just be less reluctant to accept new things. And, and back then it was like, oh, well, you don't want to spend too much time emailing people. You want to call them on the phone because that's the more direct. Per- and it may be true to an extent, but at the same time, there's a lot of time wasted that, that computer and internet and things make things so much easier for you, you know? Yeah. So, I, I wanted mean, to say uh, quickly on, on my end, just to yeah, get people. Yes, so see, you probably should do a background before we start yakking too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so. Mine is, mine is similar in the same way is that I always loved art growing up. I always loved illustration and drawing and all these kind of things. And I always took art classes all my whole life through high school and everything. So I kind of knew I wanted to go to art school right, right out of the bag. I didn't really know what I wanted to do there. But once I saw the different things I could go into, I saw graphic design. I thought, well, that's wonderful. I can take my artistic skills and apply it to advertising and, and go into that. And it was, you know, I loved uh, going to the Art Institute of Dallas and, and that's what I ended up getting my degree in was, was graphic design. And like I said, that was kind of some of the first times uh, that I was ever on a Mac or learning Photoshop or Illustrator or anything like that before I'd always been on a PC and learning things like DOS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> when I got out of there, I went, my, my first job was a very corporate job working for Interstate Batteries. They had an in-house art department that uh, did all the advertising for the entire company. Um, and so I was part of that in-house advertising department doing stuff for, for NASCAR or the battery design or web design or whatever. But that was a great – that was another huge learning point. I felt like I learned as much on my, in my first two years of that first job as I did in college. Once again, there was so much learning to, to – so much to be learned from everyone else that worked there. Uh, from my from my other peers and from my boss and for how to interact with people and how to work in the business world. So that was a great start. But then uh, I got pretty tired of the same routine at the same kind of corporation pretty quick. And so I got an offer from a small graphic design shop called Holt Design here in Dallas. And I knew if I went over there that they they were they were startups. So they only had three uh, or three people on staff. Uh, including me, if I came on, I was going to have tons of opportunity to to be able to do a lot of different things. And um, they were starting to get some larger clients like the Dallas Cowboys and and American Airlines uh, cargo and things like that. So that was very exciting to me. And that that began uh, a 10-year stretch for me of, of working there doing graphic design and it will, and it was great and I, and I and I loved a huge part of that 
in that time, I started doing freelance. Or I met uh, Ted. I, I worked with Ted's sister. And she's a graphic designer, and um, I got to know Ted. And Ted was a photographer, and I, and I took an interest to photography there through Ted and in his work with Holgas and Dianas and things like that. And then I also had a friend, uh, Bill Miles, who when we would take tri- road trips together a lot and stuff and go hiking and things like this, and he always brought his camera. And I, I never even brought a camera at that time, and he would take pictures of us hiking and doing this and that. And uh, so I started getting through, through, into photography that way too. Um, and both of you guys were into black and white film and hot, you know. Yes, sir. said Bill, I was into a lot of that too. Right. Yeah. So it's between the two of you guys, it, that started becoming my hobby. And um, we brainwashed you. Yeah. And it became <laughs> and, and and like so many people, that it just became more and more of a passion with me. Uh, I just can't couldn't get enough of photography, and I still kind of feel that way today. Thank goodness. Sure. I hope I always do. I know I'll have dips, but well, um, and I would argue too. We were, we were, we were when we were talking about you know what we we're going to talk about today. We're saying, you know, kind of the two paths you could go, either working for somebody else or working for yourself. I think there's kind of a third in there, and and Uh you hit on all three. Because when you started, you were actually an in-house, and then went to work for a small agency, and then freelance. And there's a big difference between working in-house and for an agency. Working for an agency... And and this does apply to photography. There are not a lot of photography studios, but there are a few that exist. But uh, things stay fresh. You keep new clients. Uh, it's kind of like freelancing, but you're not the one who has to do everything, you know. Right. Uh, but the clients change. When you're doing in-house, it's pretty much full-time on, and that's kind of what the museum is. It's it's full-time, same stuff right. uh, around the clock. And it's just, it's uh, you know, they're different. Um, yeah. I think they're both well, yeah, yeah, like you could take J.C. Penney for an example here in Dallas. Sure. They have an in-house. They have in-house photographers, and all those photographers shoot are uh, stuff for J.C. Penney, whether it be clothing or bedding or whatever. But well, it's be all for the JCPenney, website or their catalog. For the website or for yeah. their catalog, yeah, shared on both. So that's that kind of thing, and and that can be great. That can be a great learning experience. But I would think that if and people are different. Some people love. Um, uh, what's the positive word for monotony? <laughs> well, they, they love the assembly line type. Yes, atmosphere. they love it, and, and they thrive in that. And, and so that's perfect for that kind of person who stays there a long period of time. For someone else who's a little bit more adventurous or likes more risk or likes uh, to experiment a little bit more or just have more diversity, then they're either going to want to go out on their own or maybe become a, a photographer uh, that, that works in some kind of agency that's going to have um, uh, just a lot of diversity in their work or be working for different clients all the time. And even within an agency, a certain photographer uh, may get stuck on a certain project like, you know, uh, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken or something and shoot that kind of thing all the time or whatever. So um, actually, I think that happens more often than not, because, you know, when you're doing commercial photography, you're working in a situation usually for an art director and it's, there's usually some pressure that's involved on their end and you know, their agency's making a lot of money and they've got to get it right. And so generally they will hire photographers that they feel confident in certain areas with. So like for instance, you know, uh, John Smith is the food photographer. He does food right. really well. Well, if you shoot art, you probably do food too, but they, that's what they're going to do is they want you to specialize not all the time, but I think a great amount of the time, probably like 80% of the time that that's what mm-hmm. people are looking for. In fact, I think it's hard because, um, uh, you know, I've even seen cases like, you know, with freelance work where you go in and you not only have a lot of great food shots, but they want to see the apple that you're going to shoot. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. oh, he does oranges well, but uh, can he do a pear? You know, exactly. And of course, I mean, it's ridiculous. And that's something but... that I think we can definitely either talk about more today or talk about even another time sure. in an extended period of time is is specializing versus not specializing. And, and when you do that, and I, that was something I texted to you earlier today. 
um, that you know could be a topic now or, or well, then. It, we can weave it into this some too because I think yeah. there is a little of this involved. Um, you know, I mean, I I have kind of a weird gig right now in the sense that I'm I don't specialize. It's just a variety of stuff, but that's kind of unusual. Um, usually, I've found what they want is somebody who specializes in stuff. But it, it all depends. I mean, the other thing is I am dealing with new media and multimedia and stuff like that, and that's <laughs> such a changing thing. You know, it's like whatever the flavor of the month is. Everybody's like, oh, can you program for iPhone? We want an iPhone app. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, okay, no, that's a lot different than what I do. But um, but they want that versatility generally. I mean, it just depends. I, I see. I think that's great in the beginning. And, I, and the, beginning sure. can be, the, the beginning can be 10 years or longer. I don't know. Because I think being uh, versatile and, and having a lot of diversity in your portfolio can lead you into whatever it is that you're best at or that you love or that people love that you do. Right, right. now, I'm like that. My portfolio, if you look at it, has, has portrait and product and architecture and documentary stuff in there. And um, while, while some staffing agencies and things like that may, may not like that, um, I, I like that because I'm getting calls from different people to do different things, and I'm still trying to kind of find my niche, which is kind right. of starting to lead me to architecture. I'm doing more of that than anything these days and making more money doing that and just doing it in general more of the time. But um, I still love doing portrait, and I still love doing product. And I still love. I shot a concert last night, and um, you know, I, I still love uh, doing all these different things. So I don't, I don't want to give those up. And yeah. if I can later on specialize in one thing, um, I will because that that can help you out financially in in your profession. But I think that I'll always shoot a little bit of everything just to keep me. Um, keep me sharp and, and versatile. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting you say it, too. When I was, gosh, years ago in college, I remember, uh, and this was as a music major, I remember having, there was a guitarist that came to speak one time, and she was saying, you know, one of the things you want to be able to do is all these different styles because you just get more pieces of the pie. And I've heard people in business say that. I mean, it's not just related to just the arts. It's a matter of being versatile. And no. what's, what's hard about that is I'm not sure I agree totally with that. I think you should be versatile for the reason you're saying, because you want mm-hmm. to find out what you like and if there's something you it's like food if you haven't tried this before you might not know that you like it that kind of thing right but i think a lot of people and i've seen obsess about trying to be too versatile and it Mm -hmm. works against them like like they're selling versatility as their thing or i i don't know it's just a hard no i hear you there definitely sword you know what i'm saying right yeah, I think it's good to keep your skills sharp and to find out what you're best at and what your passion is and what what it is that you love. And then when once you do that, then then go ahead and and you know put all your focus into that if you can, um, while still shooting on the side doing different things or whatever. But yeah. but yeah, I think eventually you need you need to, to to bring it down to one thing. But when you're starting out, however long that lasts until you find what it is that you're pat the most passionate about or the what what you're best at shooting or what people love the most from you, um, then it's okay to keep it versatile until then, I think. Well, with success comes a niche. I mean, it's like, you know, Ansel Adams didn't shoot, you know, for Life magazine later on in his life when he didn't have to. I mean, his right. passion was doing those landscapes. And, and once he got notoriety and developed a career and was actually making quite a bit of money off of doing that, I mean, there was no reason to. But he was a, he was a very versatile person in himself. It's oh, just sure. people don't don't see that side of him because what he ended up specializing in, which was nature, and what, what he spent most of his life doing, um, 
you know, was the landscapes, but but he did a lot of commercial stuff that we don't see, as well as yeah, uh, and just a lot of artistic stuff and other stuff besides landscapes. And and it's we, we weird just don't see that. seeing those photos and see, you know, yeah, because it's like eh, it's not quite up to the quality of the other stuff. But it, actually, with some exceptions, there's some cool portraits of George O'Keefe that he did, and uh-huh. you know, and there's a few things here and there. But uh, but he he just found his calling. He just. Sure. Uh, he was kind of one with nature, and that's where he liked to be. Uh, he actually and, started as a musician, too, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, but he couldn't handle the, the, the audience, the pressure of being in front of people all the yeah, time. stage fright and all. And he, could, he, didn't like, he didn't like the people in the industry, which is something you find, too, which kind of leads me back to where I was. Oh, with I graphic loved him when I did music. <laughs> with graphic design. great, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you might like modeling, but you might not like all the people in the modeling industry because I know, Ted, you were once a model. Uh, well, still in my spare time. I, Hand model. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> George Costanza moment. <laughs> my hands. Yeah, my um, but, but no, I think what kind of got me, I love graphic design, and I'm so glad that I did that for so long, and it's really helped me uh, be a better photographer because coming from a design background, and you can you you know a lot about this too. Coming from a design background and applying all those things into your photography, or knowing what art directors and creative directors want, and having that mindset too, and how things play into advertising is great as a photographer. And it's a background that a lot of oh, absolutely no question have and have to learn after they're already a photographer, have to learn Photoshop or have to you know uh, learn d- design skills um, to to advertise themselves or whatever. These are things that we kind of already had built in and could just. You you know, start going with, yeah. which is, which is a great advantage. Um, so yeah, when, whenever I did start getting tired of the, the nine to five, uh, the clients, uh, in, in graphic design and big business and advertising and you doing, you know, 20, 20 logo comps and showing it to, to a client and then them going, well, those are all great ideas, but I drew this on a napkin. How about this? Um, once I got frustrated with a lot of those kind of things over a period of time, I, and, uh, and, and it was the right time for me to, to start my own business financially. That's, I mean, I think that's key. You can't be an idiot about it and jump into it right. at, a, at a bad time when you don't have any money or can do anything and just say, I don't like that. I quit. Now I'm a photographer. I wanted to be a photographer for a while, but I let it build up until I had enough of a portfolio, a, a, a few connections that I felt good about. My wife um, graduated college and, and had some income coming in, and then I felt like it was time, a good time to, to take the risk. And I think that you just have to be, try to be as smart as you can about that. Man, until you got into that risk story, I thought you were Don Draper or something, man. With <laughs> <laughs> the cocktail napkin rocking. And the, but no, yeah. no, I, and you made some very, very good points there. I mean, you know, let's face it. I, I think, well, before I say let's face it, I, most of being a good artist, whether you're a photographer, whether you're a sculptor, whether you're a painter, whether you're a designer, whatever, it's learning how to see and learning how to make sense of things visually and learning how to communicate within that, you know, or think conceptually or think, you know, and there, there's a whole spectrum of this. But, I mean, let's face it. I mean, taking pictures with a camera is not hard. That's why everyone does it, you know. Right. It's like if you can, like, and most of the time you don't even have to figure out the exposure. You've got a camera that will do it for you. If you can get it in focus and point it in that direction, anybody can shoot. But what separates people, I'm not saying I'm great at it, but, it, but you know, it's learning how to see these things visually. And whether that's design you've studied whether it's painting, it's visual composition is what it is. And and I've studied in those realms, and they're all kind of the same information. It's just applied to whatever medium you're, you're, you're working with. Right. Um, I think photographers think about all that stuff the least. 
Um, and that's a sweeping generalization. But, and the reason I say that is because like I said, it's not a difficult thing to get into just as far as taking a picture. I mean, making the picture is not hard. Um, yeah. you know, making a real cool picture is a lot harder, you know? Yeah. I, I think we may have talked about this before, but I, you know, there's a ton of negative negativity out there. No, no matter what industry you're in, whether it's graphic design or photography or what it is, people will say, um, well, Wade, you know, like when I wanted to start Wade, don't you know, there's a ton of photographers out there. Don't you know that that's a, that's a heavy populated industry with a ton of competition. <laughs> no, I had noticed. Uh, no, didn't notice that at all or whatever. <laughs> and there's just all this negativity that there's no way you can make it. That there's no way you can make a living that it's just, Everybody with a DSLR now is a photographer, whatever. Okay, and all that is true, and all all that's great. But how many people are really passionate about it? How many people are really talented? How many people are pursuing it on a daily basis and becoming better and better? And then you know you you quickly start to separate yourself from Aunt Jean with a DSLR um, who's who's shooting stuff. Or I had a friend the other day that was telling me that he went on a photo shoot and someone there, a, a rich woman that was there, she had a top of the line. Nikon camera, about a three thousand dollar camera. Well, he has about a about a you know a six hundred to thousand dollar camera, and she actually made fun of him and said, "How can you call yourself a professional photographer with that camera? I have this, and I'm not even a professional photographer." Well, there's just all kinds of stuff in there that makes me really angry because having that camera, camera buyer, right? That, that that's the problem today is that she can take pictures with that camera, and 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 they're going to be average pictures if if that. Yeah. Uh, he can have a much less camera, but being a trained photographer with a trained eye and, and good at lighting and good at all the things that make you a great photographer, he can take wonderful pictures with them. And we've always um, talked about this. It's kind um, of a funny but story, th- but actually. That, yeah, but that's, that's, what quickly, that's what quickly separates you. And then once you start to, you know, to, to really be a, in a niche market, like we're here in Dallas. Okay, how many, people, how many photographers are in Dallas? How many people shoot architecture? How many people shoot, you know, corporate architecture? You can really start to, to become in a, in a very small niche market, uh, you know, out of this, this huge realm of, well, there's a lot of photographers in the world. You know, how are you going to survive? Well, well this another is- thing you're saying, too, is definitely in the realm of you, you, you can't just be a photographer. You have to be a marketer as well. You've got to be able yeah. to understand how to market yourself, how to get your photos and your name in front of the people that would hire you that, that are in charge of those kinds of jobs. And like I said earlier, I mean, it is easy. And that's why everybody's into it. That's why everybody says, well, everybody's a photographer. But, you know, actually making your living it. There's also another thing I'm reminded of. I don't know if you saw it on the Art of Photography uh, Flickr forum. Somebody in there had asked me, um, or had asked just in general, the question of, you know, hey, I'm a software programmer. I'm really getting tired of the 9 to 5 and the grind, and I really want to be a photographer. How do I go into it? And, you know, I just it, – it's hard for me just to say, hey, man, yeah, jump ship. Uh, first of all, if you say you're making your living as a programmer, I mean, you're probably doing a lot better than you're going to do as a photographer unless you work really hard and are really patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just because you're tired of one thing and you like to take pictures, isn't a reason to go into it. However, and I hope I express this to the guy too, not to be Joe negative about it, but okay. If you're really serious, then go for it is basically what all that warning heeds, you know, but plan in, in advance. Don't jump ship today. Yeah. Know that it's more than, uh, going out and buying a Nikon D three X and getting ready to rock, you know? In fact, most most professional photographers do not shoot on equipment like that. I mean, it depends on how long you've been in business. And uh, but most of the people that I know that are very good, they they stick to what works, so they don't buy every brand new camera as soon as it comes out. And uh, 
it, it's just it's irrelevant. I can't even think. I'm thinking of two guys right now, and I specifically I have no idea what kind of camera they if they're Nikon or Canon or who cares. And, you know? But yeah, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there are, and it depends on what your talent level is at this exact is exact moment in time. By the time that I was ready to leave, I had been shooting steadily for about five years and built enough of a portfolio that I could show what I felt was professional enough to get jobs. Yeah, you have um, to have that. You know? If you're starting, if you're saying I'm frustrated and I really like photography as a hobby, but you don't have anything, you really haven't been pursuing it, you really haven't been learning it. You know, have um, no body of work. That's Then the, I would say you have about two to four years in front of you of, of yes. learning and building a portfolio before you could really step out and have a chance. Yeah, you have uh, to have the portfolio. Right, but if you if you have as a hobbyist, and I know a ton of these people that work that are uh, um, in all kinds of different industries right now that work in graphic design and that work in web design and they're um, architects and a lot of other things or whatever, and they they do have a really great photography portfolio already. They have been freelancing on the side for yeah. five years or more or whatever, uh, and for those people, if they are frustrated at their jobs and wanted to make the leap to, to photography, um, you know, finances might be something to really think about depending on how much you're making or whatever but happiness is also something to, to really think about and um you know maybe you could take a little less money and be a lot happier and um it, it you and if you have the talent to step out there in the portfolio already you could you could start right away if, yeah. if the if the circumstances are right actually one thing and to put this in perspective when you know uh, when i started as a freelancer like okay let's say you quit your job tomorrow and you're going to go into freelancing photography and you have nothing. Well, okay. You're th- one, one way of thinking of is, Oh, well I have all this time now and I'm ready to ready to roll on this. Well, okay. That's fine. But know that you have no income coming in until you can get that first job. And even then it's going to take a couple months to get paid sometimes. Right. And so one way of looking at it is, okay, my current job might not be what I'm looking for, what I want to stick with, but there is income coming in. So what I can do is really maximize those eight hours outside of work before I have to mm-hmm. sleep. And it's hard because, I mean, there's a lot of sleepless nights. This is when it gets, comes down to you know how bad you want it. Um, but a lot of getting up early, a lot of going to bed late, and a lot of just you know maximizing your efforts to try to get some stuff done. But you're, like you said, you've got to put some work together, and you've got to learn. And you've got to, you have to have something to show for and something. And I think that, like what you just said, is, is the really good indicator of when, okay, now is the time and slash I'm ready. Because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I could go out tomorrow. I could start making a couple phone calls, and I have some pictures to show. Right. Website yeah, and, 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 and that is, you know, uh, you and I, I think, have the same kind of work ethic where if when we get our mindset on something, and a lot of people that I know that are very successful out there are like this, when we get our mindset on something to do something, um, sleep and, and work and, and all these things <laughs> Food. are really not, they're really not a factor. It's like uh, when I was, when I was started getting into photography, I was learning every day or shooting every day. I was working my regular job and then coming home at night and doing whatever I could and then working on the weekends doing my shoots and stuff on the weekends so i was working you know all week long and then going back to and and, but but that quickly turned into me having a portfolio and having learned things and whatever so you are you you do have to make that sacrifice and you do see a lot of the other kind of people out there that like to say things i would love to learn photography i would love to make a switch to this or that or whatever but we'll never even open a book or take a, a tutorial online or take a college class at night or whatever because they're just too busy well, welcome to the club. Yeah, you know. Well, that's like the all- uh, you know in psychology, that's the the coulda, shoulda, woulda crowd. You know, right. and yeah. I know people like that too. They're like, oh, you know what? I should uh, I should take a class sometime, or I should. And they're always using the word should, or yeah. oh, I could do that, or I would if you know. 
when you hear these people, you almost always know, even just by their talk, mm-hmm. that they're they're never going to change anything. No. That they're just kind of dreamers, and that's I guess where they're happy because they're never afraid to go outside of their comfort zone. And I think that's another thing that whether you're going from freelancing into a job or from a job into full time uh, being on your own is that you have to take there's there's risk there that you may or may not like it that it may be successful or not. Yeah. Um, but you you've got to you know, you but gotta you know, have if you're some. You're gonna guts. be a dreamer. I, I think it's okay because there's several major cameo manufacturers that will make a lot of money off those people because they always <laughs> seem to buy the latest whatever. You know? Sure. Yeah. It's part of the. They, I mean that, and that's why I get so annoyed about gear sales half the time because you know just it matters so little and the marketing that they put into it make it sound like it's everything. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna get that Canon 5D next week, and then I'll be ready. You're ready now. You can go shoot on a digital Rebel or whatever 35 millimeter camera. Yeah, and I have nothing against great equipment. I mean, we you know well, we no, kind of talk down against but... that all the time. I think if you're a professional and you know how to use that equipment to its full extent, then it's wonderful. Um, it, it, but if it, it, it's like being a soldier and having a machine gun or a sniper rifle, great. Give me a sniper rifle and <laughs> you better hide. <laughs> put a little bit. <laughs> There's no telling what I'm going to be shooting down. Burn it's a not hole gonna in be, it. It's not going to be the target. It's the same thing with photography gear. You can put the, you know these 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 cameras in this lady's hands that I was talking about the other day, and she can't do anything with it because one, she's not even going to open up the manual to read about it, much less take a photography class or do anything else. Right. All she's going to do is go around with her fancy camera, showing people how fancy her camera is and how she takes mediocre photos with it and then making fun of other people's cameras that are actually trying to really do something with their skills, you know, but maybe can't afford it like she can. So, Well, and I totally agree with you. I have nothing against nice gear either if somebody wants to, uh, you know. Give it to me. Send, send it to me. I'll give you my address now. Uh, no, but. Yeah, uh, at the but, end of the show, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll send out our, our email addresses yeah, or so whatever like so, that, so that Nikon or Canon <laughs> or whatever can send us any gear that they would like for us to have. Well, what I do have the problem with is the misconception that that having the right piece of equipment will somehow make you a better photographer. You know, it's like when I really saw a lot of this in action is is there's a um, uh, a guy who does DSLR video online, Philip Bloom. Are you familiar with him at all? I don't think so. He does really nice work. He he's done a lot of stuff for Skywalker Sound. They've hired him to come as a consultant for a lot of you know what you can do now with video on DSLRs and mm-hmm. and. Anyway, my point is, is I heard him speak at South by Southwest uh, last year, and he's a very good director of photography. I mean, his videos tend to be kind of music videos that, you know, there's no story or anything like that necessarily. But um, I was really interested in him talking about lighting and his eye and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as soon as it went to Q&A, the whole thing just like pummeled into the ground into this discussion of well what's the better lens or what do you recommend or do you like nikon or canon or do you mm-hmm. it's like who effing cares you know yeah just figure all that on your own there's so much more to learn and so many other better questions to be asked mm-hmm. let's let's talk about lighting for yeah, hours absolutely. L- not 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 what lens you're using you know, I I think if you're getting into real niche stuff, like I was watching a tutorial the other day on concert photography. Well, yeah, I kind of did wanted to get in, into some questions about lenses, as far as like knowing that when I'm shooting concerts, uh, you know, it, it would be good to use a 70 to 200 for the zoom factor and something that's like a high, you know, a really large f-stop, like you know, something yeah, one point eight or two point eight. Question, right? A technical question, yeah. but just 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 uh, just to talk about gear all the time is, is, is yeah, r- ridiculous. Yeah, because I, I really think Nikon has the edge in concert photography. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh, you know, it's ridiculous. I don't even work for them, but I appreciate that comment. Oh, oh, you shoot Nikon? No, I, yeah, I did rent. Uh, I, I did rent that lens after watching that, and it really made a huge difference. But but anyway, wait, if you no, shot Canons, you you wouldn't have that problem. See, now I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> I, I'm 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 so put off by the things that vex me that you know. No, um, but- the one quick thing I want to talk about going back to uh, working for someone versus uh, being on your own and stuff was we were going to talk about a few quick um, pros and cons and things like oh, that. Yeah, sure. And um, when uh, d- just a few that I was going to throw out there and then you know get your feedback from is when 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 you're working for yourself, some good things are is that you the freedom first of all that and that can be good and bad if you're handling if you can handle freedom. Um, th- th- there's when you're at a place having a steady salary is great and that is for some people but when you're on your own there's really no cap um, to the salary you can make which can be great uh, but there's also no bottom <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> my right out, <laughs> that can fall right out from underneath you too <laughs> that was well put in a very comedic way well it's <laughs> feast or famine always and that's um, yeah. that's one thing that I really got tired of ultimately in the end I was going through a lot of famine um, yeah. but yeah and you that was can, probably that was kind of uh more to do with with the kind of the time period that you were doing that type of business in. Well, it's, it's sheer fun down to the poverty line. I'll give it that. Yeah, definitely sheer fun, just all the way down to you know food stamps. But yeah, but uh, you do have the freedom. I mean, I think the opposite is like when you work for somebody. Obviously, you have a steady paycheck, and uh, unless short of being laid off, there's not much that that's going to change that. I mean, it does get capped out. You know, you're not going to have a really good year working for a company unless you work in the corporate world where there's some kind of bonus structure or sales or something like that. Yeah. Um, but just general photography jobs. And I, you know, I'll be blunt about this. The problem with staff photography jobs is they're so few and far between and the people who have those jobs tend to hang on to them forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's just kind of, it, it's hard. Um, they One of the exist, better but- uh, staff jobs that I know that a guy has as a photographer here in Dallas is an architectural photographer I know that works for an architectural firm. And they just, instead of hiring out different architectural photographers all the time, they liked his work and they hired him on full time, gave him a salary, and now they send him all over the world all the time to That's photograph cool. all of their, their architecture. Um, and that to me is kind of a great job. Uh, if you're if you're if you're shooting something that you love, yeah. But you're right. In other industries, it it might not be that great a pay, or it might not be something that you like shooting very much. No, yeah, I think you're right. It's well, and you have to have the mindset. Like you know, when we said earlier, we we're talking about J.C. Penney or some kind of retailer online that does a big catalog. A lot of those places do have photography positions in house, and they are an assembly line. It's just you know. Um, it's product photography. You set up, you shoot it the same way every time, and they expect that kind of consistency. The bigger problem with those, now I'm not going to speak for all jobs because certainly there's some good ones out there, but a lot of them view the photography as, oh, that's an artist's job, so it's going to get capped out at 35000 a year, and we're not going to pay a dime more. You know, mm-hmm. And they don't yeah. really – well, and, and depending on who it is, you know, there may not be a difference in who it is. You know, anybody can come in and learn how to shoot their look, and uh, that's generally why they keep those things around that. But you do have the security, the, st- the stability. I mean, thirty-five a year is—it's pretty bad, but. Um yeah, I mean, and also you know, working for someone else, you have benefits. When when you don't, oh, when yeah. you work, when you work for yourself, you don't have benefits. You don't. Well, you have your special parking spot in the front of your uh, office where that is, <laughs> and no one else can have that or whatever, and that's great. But you have to pay for your own health insurance. You have to pay for your own eye, dental. Um, you get any a free parking spot in front of the place you pay rent on. 
That's right. You have to be. You have to be. Uh, when you work for yourself, you have to be very organized. And and, and the main killer uh, for a lot of people is the business side, um, which I've just had to learn very quickly. I do my taxes very different uh, this second year than I did my first year because I because I quickly learned that if I didn't pay quarterly, um, I was well. I have to pay quarterly, and I didn't know that. But if if you don't, also, it's very hard to save the money. And then when it comes tax time, um, yeah. you know, you you owe me eight thousand dollars. Oh wow, where is that going to come from? And then next. And you know you're digging into an IRA or something. So, well, the, um, the, the real hard part about freelancing is uh, the fact you're going to pay a lot more in taxes than you would if you worked for somebody. I mean, right? It, not only do you have withholding and all that stuff that's very comfortable, but the taxes are higher if you freelance. Now you're married in freelancing, so maybe a little different. Uh, and there's a, a difference. When I was single in freelancing, God, it was just murder. I mean, it was just. <laughs> yeah, it is still. It's a real eye opener. I think. I think you know when you're working for someone else and the the taxes all come out of your paycheck, even kind of before you see it, and then you're given a paycheck, and that money you get to deposit into a bank, and whatever money that is, it just goes straight into the bank, and that's your money, and you never really kind of, unless you're really looking at your pay stub every time and exam it and really thinking about it a lot. It really doesn't bother you. When you get paid as a freelancer, you might get a $3,000 check and then about, you know, 6 or $700 is going to be taken out of that before you put it into the bank Ugh, to pay yeah. your federal and state taxes. And that always kind of hurts, you know, every time it's like, oh, $3,000 and then ching ching ching, you know, here comes all this money out of it. Well, it's the same way when you're working for the man, but uh, you kind of just don't see it as much. It's a little more painful when you can see it actually coming out every time. But it's just something that you have to do and be organized about and be disciplined about. And if you do it, um, you're not going to ever have any real problems in that area. And, and you can also make a lot of times more money than you've made before doing what you did, or at least as much. And um, like I said before, the, the happiness factor of, of being on your own, um, you know, well, that, something, was, that was one thing that really used to frustrate me a lot too, is like, you know, when you quote a job for somebody who's a freelancer and I still freelance occasionally, but you know, you're bidding at a job and you're like, okay, it's going to be this, this, and this. And you come out with a figure like three grand or five grand or something like that, depending on what it is. I mean, it's just hypothetical, mm-hmm. but, and then, you know, the art director, whoever you talk to, oh, wow, God, that's huh, the sticker shock kicks in. And yeah. it's like, this job's going to take me three months to do. What do you make in three? I mean, you know, it's like and the taxes get taken and people don't understand that, that like you said, have never viewed it that way you also sure. have all your own expenses uh, photography equipment even if you're not buying top of the line it's still an expensive industry to be in uh, you do have to have gear that works and it requires upkeep it requires insurance it requires yeah. you know maintaining your car and you know all those things that, that factor into it and that's why it's very difficult when you're in and i i don't know a whole lot about wedding photography but i know people who do it and that's one of the biggest problems they have is that you have these people who have a camera and they want to try their hand at weddings and they'll come in and underbid you by less than half and you know if you're going to do a wedding for five grand or ten grand or whatever they'll come in and do it for i'll do it for 1500 bucks you know Mm -hmm. thinking it's a lot of money but they're they're too stupid they won't be in business next year because they haven't been through any of that and that's really a problem i think for some people is being undermined on jobs like that the problem is is you have to rise above that and you have to get beyond that situation uh and that that will help um you don't want to be clinging to the jobs where somebody would even consider somebody less without thinking it's suspicious and if people Uh, are underbidding you then oh well you know good for the because the pictures that you're going to get of your wedding, if you went with the cheap guy, are going to be uh, much less quality-wise than the than the pictures of someone um, who may have been in business a lot longer, is oh, much always. more professional, and, and is, is charging more because the, um, they do better work. 
and they're going to do it more professionally and they know how to do it. Um, so uh, yeah, in photography, the goal, the goal is to get your name to a point where the people who are calling you on jobs would, they understand that difference. You know, they're not going to consider right. that. And unfortunately when you're starting out, you're going to see some of that. And that's just, you know, learning how yeah. to say no is a big deal. I, I had a hard time learning how to do that. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, I can't say no. It's a real job. And then it's just crappy pay or whatever it is. And uh, you and I were talking about that a while back. It's like learning mm-hmm. how to say no and to turn something down and realize, you know what? My time is better spent looking for the next thing than goofing around. This that day. is a that is a great point. When you are on your own, one of the great things is is that you can say no to jobs that you don't want or that you know you're not fit for or that you don't want to do, that your heart isn't into. Uh, you that should, too. Waste yeah. of your time or whatever. And you definitely should do that. I've had to do that a lot. Um, with kind of the graphic design, I was such a gra- I was a graphic designer for such a long time, and now wanting to focus on photography, that I'm constantly tempted by other people saying, "Wade, will you do this design project for me, or right. this, or this, or this, or whatever?" And it's very tempting, uh, sometimes money wise, but I'd really rather focus my attention and my time on photography. And so sometimes I've I've had to kind of bear down and say, "No, I'm going to have to pass on that because I think there's a potential for me to be focusing more of my time on photography," and that. Uh, become something more and it takes that a lot is, of maturity to do that it's and hard that has, that has worked for me luckily if that had backfired and not worked for me several times then i may have started taking more design jobs or whatever at this point yeah. but so far so good and so i'm going to continue to do that and keep honing my skills in one certain direction not that you can't be a graphic designer and a photographer many people do that very well but at this point in my career i want to just focus on photography full-time and so I'm well, turning all the design work that you do is for your own stuff. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm still like doing that for myself ways. all the time to market myself. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's definitely, uh, I mean, there's some, there's some loopholes like that. You've just got to learn how to, you know, firing a client. That's another luxury that you have when you work for somebody, you can't fire a client. Uh, when somebody's no. being difficult or irrational or, you know, but we're painting a really beautiful picture. <laughs> well, no, but this is the truth. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody truth. knows this, no matter what industry you're in, you, you have a bad client or a bad customer or whatever that over and over again does the same thing um, to yeah, frustrate you or whatever. or whatever. You go yeah. in, and when you're working for someone, you go and you run to your boss and you tell them, hey, you know, Jill, she just, she keeps on doing this over and over and over again and she doesn't listen to me and she doesn't let me do this or whatever. And he goes, um, oh, really sorry about that now go ahead go ahead and go back to work and then yeah, if the two of you could go down to hr this afternoon and work right it and that does and- nothing what's great when you're working for yourself is that if a customer uh won't keep if they keep uh not paying you on time or putting you off or or frustrating you and it's it really they're, they're more trouble than they're worth in some kind of way um you know you just don't want to fire people left and right every time you're a little bit frustrated but you take things and you know into consideration like well this customer never ever pays me on time they're not nice to me i'd never have a pleasant experience with them they, they you know they're overly picky they're overly um they always have their thumb on me i don't want to have to deal with this i'd rather move on and deal with other people this isn't the right customer for me yeah. then you can do that you can fire them and that's it feels good sometimes yeah good. i've done I don't it. Have not a whole person. bunch but but no i think there's two or three in those seven years that i was working that i just sorry i can't do it anymore you know right it, which right, made, right. which funny because in one case made the individual even more upset and yeah. it's just like, okay, well, then what are you going to do? I'm not your slave. You, know? you hated me the whole time I worked for you. Why would you want to yeah, keep working with me? You know, yeah. And you make me miserable. So if, if, if some, if you're, it, when you're working for yourself, if you're constantly complaining about someone, a client, because of something that they're doing or whatever, it's probably not worth your time yeah. um, 
to, to, to keep dealing with them because they're taking more away from you uh, in every kind of way. Than, well, than, it leads me to remember another thing. I, I'm not going to name a name here, but but uh, this individual that I was just talking about, um, <laughs> when, 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 when it came to a boiling point and we were parting ways, I remembered when I first started working, it was a small agency, and it was the kind of thing where – and it was over this job that had gone overtime and overtime, and I kept telling him, look, I can only char- – my commodity is my time, so I have to start billing you because this will not end. And it's not anything that I've done. It's just you know, it was through them. They were the middleman on another client. But, anyway, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, if you'll take this job for this low pay, we got a lot of other work for you we're going to give you later. That, I hear that line all the time. First of all, it's a lie. Never, it is a lie. Never ever believe that run or free will you do it for free because there's a lot of other work down the line yeah i want to feel well then why can't why isn't there work now yeah then let's skip this project and let's just get to the (laughs) let's go straight to the paying one (laughs) yeah no no if anybody i'm serious i used to believe that line of crap and if anybody ever says that to you they are lying i just just don't do the job it's not I mean, it's such a bullshit line sorry sometimes there's a new client that says you know something like uh, let me uh, we well, can show you the actual work here's yeah. a bunch of projects we have um you know maybe you built some kind of repertoire with this person and 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 they're saying here's all the projects that we have but we don't know how it is to work with you yet let's let's do a little test run together of some kind maybe they'll pay you a certain amount or something or whatever test runs are a good or a little test out thing maybe a good thing but that, just that's straight fine, up, but there has to be money changing hands. There, yeah there has to be yeah that might be something you know okay maybe you could look at it whatever uh, but yeah if it's just straight up will you do this for free there's a lot more work down the down the road if you do uh, that's usually a, 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 a yeah Full of no. uh, one of two things will happen. They'll call you the next time and say the same thing, right? Um, or you become you become the free guy. Oh, yeah, or you become the free guy, or that you're the cheap guy. And then they recommend you to three friends, and uh, this guy did this project for free, or free. Right. he was you're, really you're not, expensive. <laughs> yeah, you're not the best guy. You're not the most professional guy. Uh, you're the cheap guy or the free guy. Well, we're talking about carving niches, and that that is certainly one that can be carved. Yeah, and you, and you, yeah, and yeah, and you can do that to yourself. Uh, and you don't want to. The uh, there to were hell. a few more things that I wanted to throw out there real <laughs> sure. quick, like just to um, tell people to, to think about. And these are not negative in any kind of way. These are really true things to think about, I think, that when you go out on your own, if you're, if you're at a corporate place and you're frustrated, I know there might be a lot of people out there in that exact situation because that's just how we are. Uh, you're frustrated. You, you, in the back of your mind, maybe you've always thought, I can go out on my own and I can become a photographer and I can do this or whatever. These may be a few good things to think about. And um, one is you really need to, to think about yourself and are you a follower or are you a leader? And if, if you are a follower, that's fine because the world – there's a ton of them in the world, and we need them, and uh, they, they, they like having a steady salary, and they like having a boss that gives them direction and keeps them on track. And that's a great thing to think, okay, I am this kind of person. I do need to be – but you job. need to find the right person to follow, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, and I mean that's the source of the frustration is that they're not, you know, you never want to work for people that are dumber than you. I mean, that's and unfortunately, I think most of most people in the world that that, that ends up happening, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you're right. You want to be a leader, or do you want to be a follower? And there's, it's not an insult to either either party. I mean, there's just two types of personalities. No, and but then, if you really feel like deep down inside that you could, that you are a leader, that you always have been, but you haven't really been given a, a chance to show that, well, then you might can be the kind of person that could possibly take a risk and go out there and, and try it. And the worst 
a case scenario is you fail and you go back working at, to the kind of, at the kind of job that you're unhappy at right now. So you just come back to square one, you right, know, right. or you become homeless. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is funny because it's uh, that's the fear, and and really that it's probably not going to happen. I mean, you no. can do pretty poorly and be miserable and have a hard time affording food. But, uh, you know, it's funny though. I mean, I remember one time when uh, you know, this is like inside my own brain here, but I, was, I remember I was coming out of Seven Eleven once when I was in the middle of freelancing and, and this guy was, by, and it was one of those things where I was really sensitive. I had three clients that I was waiting on money for and I'm sitting, and I think I even told the guy, you know, the only thing that separates me from you is a couple of clients. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, very true well yeah i mean there's a little more but that's to worst it case that, scenario but... i mean that, that you do have to go back working for someone or that you have to work some kind of bad temporary job and then and then you'll eventually find an, another good job like you have or whatever but so in in you know in my eyes people usually have family or friends or or a spouse or or something where they, they have some kind of security in their life to where they can afford to take a little bit of a risk and and do something and not regret the rest of their life, you know, thinking, what if I would have done that? You know, even if you don't, I mean, gosh, take a part-time job at Christmas during, uh, you know, Williams-Sonoma or take a part-time job at Starbucks or just stay at your current job, gut it out and, uh, and, and work your butt off in your spare time. I mean, that's, yeah. And if you really don't have that spare time, you need to figure out how to get there. And that's, uh, I mean, it's like, I know my dad once told me when I was a kid, it's like everything in life comes with a price tag on it, and you'll, you'll determine what you're willing to pay. And that, that it doesn't mean money. It means whatever that price is, be it time, be it you know, comfort, be it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it depends on how bad you really want something, and, and you can make it happen, you know. Yeah. Well, Ted, it sounds like the police are coming for you for those illegal Man, downloads. So, I had to- <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and <laughs> I, I don't have a computer. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's funny because uh, I had to switch mics this week. I, we've maintained the Skype connection. We're, we're off the Wi-Fi and figuring it out slowly but surely. But Yeah, so hopefully this show sounds really good. We're both connected uh, with the, a built-in Ethernet and everything, and, and so this it shouldn't be all like it's been in the past with the – we figured out that that was the problem with the. We hope we're right. Yeah, we hope. The uh, I, I did switch mics out, and I'm using a nice mic, but it, it picks up a lot of. No, things it sounds good. It. it sounds good. I can hear that guy walking outside on the grass. That's awesome. <laughs> no, it does sound good though. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, uh, it's just, just to finish up the, the the last few things that I was wanting to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, was uh, you know the, the risk factor. If you're a person that can take risks, uh, try to take them. Um, if you're a person that has to be safe and be in your comfort zone all the time, and you're, you're just not good at taking risks, you never feel good about it or whatever. Then maybe you know this is maybe going out on your own isn't for you. Um, another major factor is that can you manage your time and your money and things like this. If you can't, if you never have your whole life, you've never been good at managing your time. You've never been good at managing your money. You've never been good at learning new things. Uh, being in and you're on your own is probably not for you. You probably need other people around you to help you manage your time, to help you manage your money, all those things. But if you can do that or you think you can learn those things, um, then do it. I mean, because, you know, you'll probably be just fine at it. I, I, I never took any business classes, and I've learned everything that I've needed to learn to survive so far. Um, and that's mainly because when I worked for someone else, I was good uh, at, at – whether someone managed me or not, I'd have never liked to be in micromanaged, but just, just having a manager over me, I was still good at doing everything, getting everything done on time and, and just being organized in general, you know, but if you can't be, well then 
being on your own, you know, may, may not be for you. And then, well, another big thing is that some people can't work alone. Or a lot of people told me when I was going out on my own, because I'm a very social person and I loved, and I do still love the interaction of other people is that Wade, you're going to hate being on your own and by yourself all the time. And that hasn't been true at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was, I mean, when, with when you thoughts. were on your own, uh, did, did you find being by yourself was a horrible problem? No, I got things done. Right. I mean, that's a frustration of mine of being in an office where people love to have diarrhea of the meeting or, you know, it's just one pointless meeting after another. Oh, I can get my work done if I'm left alone. It's it's and that's the thing. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're a comedian or whether you're an invalid. I mean, it's just it's 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 sectioning off your time. You can still be social and freelance, but I still see people all the time. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) you do. I'm on. Well, I'm on the. I'm on the email with people all the oh, no, time. Oh no 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 no! Wait wait! You're you're gonna get lonely. You're gonna hate that that you know nobody around. Yeah, you, you're gonna be all alone in a closet in the dark crying. No, I, every time as a photographer, every time I go out on a job, I'm with people. So every yeah, and I do several jobs every week, and then the rest of the time, guess what? I get to be at home by myself, which is awesome. And yeah, and then, then when you're doing post, you can mow through it and not take forever. I mean, that's right. That's when I'm working, deal. I'm really going at it and working and not having a million different distractions, you know, put on me or, 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 or restrictions as I used to feel kind of mm-hmm. like it at work, all these restrictions about what time you need to be there, what time lunch is, what time you need to be back from lunch, <laughs> what time work is over, what time you're expected to stay till, you got to have that what, client meeting at three. Yeah. And then all these stupid me- – I, I really always hated meetings or how meetings had been put together, and I still don't get like meetings like, yeah, fly on up to Chicago, and we'll all get around oh. a table and talk for five minutes, and then y'all can all fly home. What a huge waste of money, and I don't know if this is a little bit off topic, but we have things like Skype now and email I know. I know. And, 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 and voicemail and, and all kinds of things where we can communicate without wasting hundreds and thousands of dollars so we can all get around a table for five minutes and get nothing accomplished. In a different city. Well, I, I think you're seeing a little less of that now because the economy does dictate the possibility of that. Um, I think times. that's good. And technology has changed things. Yeah, right? but I mean, I, I'll tell you, even meeting inside the office too much can be a waste of time. I mean, it's, you know, unless you're getting something pe- done. You know? Right. I know people that literally, and you do, and everyone else does, people that literally meet all day. When do these meeting people get anything done? Well, they don't. Ever. And the meetings, may, they feel like, to them, that they feel like that they're working if they're meeting. If they're right. in their own office, then they're not getting anything done. It's weird. I, I don't I get I guess it. those people a lot of times are management people that delegate. Or they like uh, to hear themselves they, talk, one or the other. <laughs> they meet, and then they give projects to other people. But I feel sorry for people that actually have to produce work and then are expected to just do meetings all the time sure. and still get the work done. To me, that would just be like, where's the gun? Because <laughs> I'm killing somebody. <laughs> me, what I'm killing me, somebody. <laughs> where's the gun? <laughs> and then one of the last things I just want to talk about is is being able to market yourself, whether you have an advertising background or not, or whether you're a salesman or not. I wouldn't say like I'm a super salesman person, but I can definitely uh, find it in myself to market myself and market my work out there all the time without being embarrassed about it or wondering what other people are thinking or whatever because I've got to put food on the table and I want to be successful and I don't care what it's going to take and I don't care if people unlike me as a friend or whatever else. They can do whatever they want because um, I'm going to try to follow my dreams and do whatever I can. So I'm going to market, market, market myself all the time. And uh, now with all this social networking, we have that available at our fingertips more than any other time ever, free advertising and marketing for ourselves. And um, if you don't take every advantage of that, you know, 
then um, I think you can overdo it maybe in certain ways, like in so, uh, certain social aspects, getting on people's nerves. Maybe you know if you have like twenty posts in a row or something. But if you're just daily doing certain things to market your work and things, I don't think I don't think that that's you know asking too much. No, I mean I think it's like anything else. It's like just if you're annoying, you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and there's some people who are annoying, and they just don't have any kind of. Uh, sense of self or or that they are annoying and they're just going to be that way and other people are very friendly and they can and then the really smart people can can market in ways that you know like apple making me feel like i really need one of every product they make i mean right that's, and, and that's great uh, that's when you're annoying. a photographer is that, you know, I use Tumblr uh, as my blog and I use Flickr all the time like we talk about. And I have my own website and I'm, I utilize uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. And I kind of uh, – when I post to, to any one of these things, it kind of is thrown out from whatever that is that I just posted at, whether that's Flickr or Tumblr or whatever. Uh, my website, it's thrown on onto all these other social medias. And it's getting out there in front of a lot of people all at one time rather than just – if you just kept it to yourself and just sat at home and nobody know about what you just did uh, at project wise you know usually when i throw this stuff out there whether it be through social media or email or whatever um there's going to be one out of 500 people that goes that's pretty cool and i was just thinking about doing the same kind of product i'm going to give him a call or whatever mm-hmm. and that's how that's how business works and well, that's you never how know when the right person's works. listening and that is important you know yeah definitely you gotta do it yeah and, and, you know, businesses do this same thing or whatever, and it seems uh, – I guess some people think that when a business does it, it seems more professional than when an individual is doing it. But um, I disagree completely. Not, I think, I think with social media and, – and I'm not going to speak for everybody, but for myself, I, I'm not interested in following a corporate entity on Twitter unless there's news that I am waiting for or I'm interested in that they're going to do. But, right. like, what do we – Nicole and I were watching uh, television the other night, and a TV commercial came on for Golden Corral. And uh, <laughs> they're like, follow us on Twitter. And if you're not in the U.S. and you don't know what Golden Corral is, it's this cheesy fast food steakhouse, basically, and it's yeah. kind of mediocre. It's like – Why would you follow uh, them on Twitter? I don't know. That's what I said to her. I was like – who follows Golden Corral on Twitter? I mean, I'd like to know how many people follow Golden Corral. I looked on it up. It was about it was somewhere between six hundred and thousand. It wasn't a lot, but they found a thousand people. They must love some Golden Corral, and they're waiting for a coupon or something. Yeah, I love me that salad buffet, man. It's kind of sad though. Yeah, it's pathetic. Oh, good night. Yeah, the motorcycle started. <laughs> There's a biker bar down the street, and Sunday night it's almost like you're thing. hitting stuff on a key on a soundboard. <laughs> I'm waiting for like a. I'm waiting for like a hawk or something in the sky <laughs> next. It's all natural, man. A pterodactyl. <laughs> Where? <do> you- <laughs> um, I used to get a lot of laughs in the music business when I did that in a mic at Soundcheck. And- we do need a soundboard, though. We've talked about this before, but just so I we know. can throw some random sound effects. I'd love some canned laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I love like Lucy on, stuff. Like on Seinfeld or yeah. you know, a sitcom or something. Just, we can have different kinds of laughter for different things to say. That would be uh, we'll just one episode with that, and we'll probably get a lot of complaints, but it'll be worth it. Well, I'm working on it. Well, I, I did upgrade some some uh, some podcast items, including some of the uh, internal software I use to route all the signals here. So hopefully we'll be able to do our third caller action thing here soon. So oh, Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. But for today... How about picks of the week? Let's do it. You got what some? Do you got? Yeah. I got some. Do it. All right. I'm going to do two. Okay. 
Um, and uh, yeah, okay. So both of these are iPad apps, and I believe they're both available for the iPhone or the iPod if you've got that. Um, but uh, the first one is the Life Magazine app, which I thought was going to be hokey, and I downloaded it, and it's pretty damn cool. Um, basically, it's a free app, and it, it, it goes back into their RSS web feeds, and it's more or less just famous life photo galleries. And uh, I have it. Yeah, I have it for the iPhone. Have you got it? It it smokes, dude. It's like there's yeah. some of like the most beautiful stuff in there. You'll get hip to new stuff. You, I'm not one that likes to open an app and just like look at stuff, but I, I got to say I'm putting my foot in my mouth on this because this one. Well, is life was like the magazine forever, and you're reminded to, of that when you when open you came it up. to photography, it's, and there yeah, was a genius. reason why. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's who you wanted to work for back in the day, and probably still today for that matter as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, if you do any photo editing on your phone or your iPad. Uh, specifically, I'm recommending this for the iPad. This is an app I've had for a long time. It's called Photo FX, and uh, the company that makes it, I believe, is Tiffin, the company that makes filters. And I remember when they made it, I was pretty excited because, like, you know, I don't want. Well, there's two things I'm I'm, I'm wary of, and I, you know, I'm not going to refer to the Hipstamatic because the Hipstamatic is kind of unique. But there's a thousand other apps that kind of try to emulate the toy camera look and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so much. But what I do want sometimes is to be able to correct a white balance or add a warming filter or something like that. So I was really interested when Tiffin said they were going to announce this. And I had it for the iPhone for a long time, and it was okay. And then they tried to do in-app purchases for additional filters, and it kind of made it a ripoff because it was – I think they charged too much in the beginning. It was like 6 bucks or something. Anyway, uh, the iPad version came out recently. And it is a life changer. Uh, the phone version is still cool. They don't do in-app purchasing. They just give you the stuff anymore. But the uh, the the ultra version that you get for the iPad is just uh, it's completely outstanding. And I think what's interesting to me is to see what you can do with that iPad Touch type of interface. I think the phone is a little too small to do any kind of serious work in. The problem with the iPad is you're not putting camera raw files in there; they're JPEGs, you know, so they're mm-hmm. compressed. But where computing's going to go down the road in the next couple of years in the future, I think this is the example of the kind of stuff you're going to be able to do. It just it's it's outstanding. It's, it's yeah, that's awesome. And the, I, the iPad is so much fun to work on yeah it is um i could see that if it were more robust and supported more file formats and kept things from being too compressed i think i'd I'd gladly jump over to that and (laughs) sit in photoshop and it may go there one day yeah i think it will and that that's why i thought i'd make that pick of the week so those are my two picks yeah one of them's free and the other one i think is like around i forgot to look it up i think it's like 12 bucks maybe and i promise it's worth it it's an expensive app but it's it's awesome yeah very cool um, mine, I'm going to go to something that I probably have mentioned on the podcast before, maybe in a, a, as a pick of the week in another book, but they really tie in well to what we're talking about today, so I'm going to bring them up one more time. I have two books that are great if you're starting your own photography business or if you're freelancing, um, and they're both uh, The Photographer's Market Guide. Um, one is just called it's like it should be this year should be 2010 photographers uh, market and it's uh, where and how to sell your photographs and it has like 1800 different listings for magazine book publishers stock agencies and, and a lot more stuff um, that you can go through whether yeah, that is a directory book and it's updates it's a directory every year. book yeah it's updates every year and I just think everybody should have this because it's a great uh, resource 
Absolutely. Um, for for getting your work out there uh, in in any kind of area that you're that you're looking to do that in, um, it just it gives you phone numbers, it gives you websites, it gives you uh, companies, how much money they make, how many uh, photos they accept a year, all this kind of information. So especially if you want to specialize in one certain area that you already know about or whatever, you can go right directly to a certain uh, page in, in in here like stock photo agencies and and you know. Uh, decide on the ones you want and focus on them and get all the information of where to send stuff and how to do it. So that's very helpful. And then the other one is the photographer's market guide to building your photography business. And I know I've mentioned this one on the, on, on the, on the guy on, on the podcast before, but it's written, it's the same, it's made by the same people and the same publisher. And, um, it's a great guide if you just kind of don't know where to start and kind of just uh, step by step, um, from, from day one, all the way through the first few years, uh, kind of what you need to, to start with, what, what tools you need, what you need to do and, and where you need to go. And, um, it's just, it's just some, you know, great guidance. So, um, awesome. those are mine. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Good show this week. I like it. We haven't dropped the Skype connection. This is uh, hopefully this has been. A, it, we've sounded really good to each other, so I'm hoping oh, well. that it sounds good to them. <laughs> Thank you, Wade. <laughs> now, it, well, at six o'clock, I'm heading off to Golden Corral. Oh, oh yeah! I just signed. I just got on their uh, Twitter. <laughs> and it looks like uh, looks like two T bones <laughs> for the price of one. So I, I'll see you there. Oh, and my mic fell over. That was nice. <laughs> um, sound we always have shot. to do something. We always have to do something really professional. Usually Re- towards yeah. the end of the show. Yeah, that's when that's when it gets professional. I'm uh, going to uh, I'm headed to Paris next week. Paris, Paris. Uh, awesome. Week from actually, we will probably have a show next week because it's a week from tomorrow. Actually, that I leave. It's the can, sixth. I, can I go with you just for like Come you on, pay man. for it though? Let's do it. You pay for it, and because I need, I probably have some fans over there uh, now. I'm going to need you to pay for it. I, uh, let's let's just say this: <laughs> I've got some paying jobs coming down the road. <laughs> if you just pay for it this one time, oh um, yeah, oh okay, then you have a lot more for me in the future. Abs- oh man, the future is looking Dude, sharp. Okay. Yeah, I'll pay for both of ours since you said uh, that. Yeah, you won't be sorry, man. I mean, I'm, we really do have some big stuff in the works, and I, I can't talk about it yet. We're under NDA. Well, so I'm totally gullible, so I'm ready to go for that. <laughs> <laughs> Polly, yeah, I am looking forward to, to Paris. I think it's going to be awesome. I've never been, and I'm excited. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting too. The uh, some of the crew that was in London when we did the meetup over there are doing another meetup, and Dude. I don't think I can do either of the days they're trying to do it on. But they're going to do an art of photography meetup. Sands me in uh, in That's London. That's a great group. They're always so excited. And they're excited I'll tell you about, what, that is yeah. an awesome group. In fact, let me go ahead and plug it. If if you're in the UK. Uh, get on Flickr and you know lurk around on the boards and see where they're going to meet because uh, you need to go. These are some cool people, and uh, I think Paula said he was, she's making food for it. I mean, I'm really like I'm half tempted to see if I can like extend my stay or something and do this. What but, about followers and uh, Flickr people in Paris? Uh, I you know I, I I don't know that we have a big demand in Paris. I haven't heard from anybody. Well, if there's any people in Paris that listen to this show or that uh, are on Flickr and follow the Art of Photography podcast or anything like that. Um, we should do a meetup. Hit him up and let him know because that might be something that you possibly could do if you had a little bit of time. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, I could do a Paris uh, meetup. But um, yeah, taking a train up to London. You know, it's cool, too, because like they've got the Eurostar now. And I've done I've done the Eurostar before, and I mean I went from London to Brussels, and I mean it's like a couple hours. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is it's not real inexpensive. Um, right. It was a double negative. It's not real inexpensive. It's not real inexpensive. It's expensive. It rules, <laughs> but you have to have the time. And even then, if it's three hours on each side, um, you still 
want to make sure you have enough time to really enjoy it and all that. So yeah, but well, yeah. man, awesome. Have fun and, and good luck. And I yeah, guess we'll cool. be doing a podcast next weekend. No, we'll do maybe, one next week. I've got, yeah, I'm not we'll leaving Monday. The week or something. Yeah. I'm going Monday so we could do one next Sunday. So, okay, great. Cool, awesome. Man. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening. This is once again, been the photography show and we'll see you next time.